0: About them Irish.
1: I can't take it anymore. I need national championship. This is the four horsemen podcast.
0: Notre Dame Fighting Irish lose a devastating game at home to the Cincinnati Bearcats. We're all upset. We all know that. And I'm sure you're here to see us rant and rave about it. Because as at Jajitsu said on Twitter, when we lose, I will only listen to Horseman Pod. If you're not diehard Irish, I don't want to hear opinion. And ain't that the truth? So big shout out to Jajitsu and his cool older cousin, former Notre Dame quarterback, Jarius Jackson. We appreciate you guys listening. Listen, this is going to be a tough podcast for all of us, and we hope you enjoy it because it's going to be very passionate. But before we get into it, I'm going to pass it over to Steve to give a word from our sponsor.
1: Yeah. uh, Let's say, hypothetically, Dylan, you were an offensive line coach. And let's say, hypothetically, you were an offensive line coach that might be out of a job soon. Then you're going to want to go to dwindle. (laughs) Dwindle is the first job board aimed at helping to solve the student loan debt crisis. Job seekers can sign up for free Get a free resume critique and then start applying to jobs that provide student loan repayment benefits. If you don't have student loans and you're just looking for an affordable education, Dwindle still has your back and they can connect you with jobs that provide tuition assistance and tuition reimbursement. So check them out today at Dwindle I'm sorry, dwindlestudentdebt.com. Again, that's Dwindle D W I N D L E Student Debt. Dot .com let them know the four horsemen sent you. How am I doing, Dylan? I am exasperated that we still have to have this conversation. I am annoyed that I get so excited over the recruiting and I spend hours upon hours of my life legitimately Listening to podcasts, reading different sources, tracking—I have a spreadsheet. And why do I care about recruiting so much? When we have, we're offensive line. You, we get the, you know these great offensive line recruits, and then we have to put in on a performance like that. And I think the offensive line is not being helped out by the play calling. I think those the the that that's the double factor analysis of what is absolutely plaguing this team. <clears throat> plaguing this team we saw <clears throat> we saw a we saw the playoffs just melt away in a year where it would have been a cakewalk to the number 2 seed and that's what really pisses me off yep. because this could have really been the opportunity I'm sorry I'll 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 pass along in a second it's just man if ever you're looking for, you know, with five five star recruits on the table for next year, you have a chance to win, you know, be the number two seed and, and win your first playoff game and then make it to the championship. And then from at that point, who who the hell knows, you know, like uh, there's the optimism on the back end of this, but you cost yourselves, you cost yourselves. And I, I there's I don't know. I need you to, to take the reins here because I just I don't know how to land the plane. I'm just too upset.
0: Well, there's just so much to pick apart. And, you know, ironically, right before the game, I had tweeted, just reacting to other teams playing, you know, it's a real shame Notre Dame's strength of schedule that was supposed to be an absolute murderer's row this year has turned to crap, and hilariously so. Like, it's not like you win some, you lose some. Every one of our ranked opponents have lost multiple games, and in, in they shouldn't have. They should have won most of their games, if not all of their games. And I'm like, that's such a shame because it kills our strength of schedule to the point now where Cincinnati is the only team that is ranked and may end up the only team ranked. And by losing that game, I, I we will talk about this in a bit, but I don't really know if the playoffs are even on the table anymore because despite only being a week into October, the SOS strength of schedule is dead that I've never seen that before. Usually you have a strength schedule, improve and and get weak throughout the year. This one looks like you can't recover from it. Wisconsin has lost three games. USC has lost two games. North Carolina has lost two games. There's nothing. Stanford is a shell of what they used to be. Florida State
1: took to overtime, hasn't even won a game.
0: And we thought they were going to maybe make a bowl this year. So look, it, it's been a really unlucky year and it's such a shame because you're right, Steve, if there was ever a year to get into the playoff with ease and with potential to do damage, it would have been this year. Um, this is, I think the most parody we've seen in college football since the 2013 season, I would say when Florida state played Auburn in the title game. And before mm-hmm. that, the 2012 season where, where Notre Dame, Kansas state and Oregon were all vying for a, a Notre, a, a national championship position. So, It's a it's a heartbreaker. And look, I don't think we were necessarily crazy to make the predictions we did. I didn't think Cincinnati's defense particularly impressive in the first half. I mean, Notre Notre Dame probably should have won that game. They turned the ball over twice in their own games. Yes, if we played that game over a bunch of times, I believe we win the majority of them. Tyree doesn't fumble that every time. And look, you could say, hey, Travis Etienne doesn't do that. Last year in South Bend, and you'd have a point there too, right? Credit to Cincinnati for forcing the turnover. Cincinnati deserved to win; they were the better team on the day, and I'm not taking anything away from them. I just think we'd beat them again if we played them, because those mistakes aren't going to happen.
1: You're not going to have
0: a freshman quarterback get rocked in his own twenty, turning the ball over, right?
1: Yeah, and and just to to you know emphasize your point, you know, I I just think. I think that our our best game, our greatest called game, our, our greatest coached, our greatest played game beats their greatest game just almost every single time, maybe an exception here or there. But if, if we were playing at our best, which we were just so far from and that's what's driving me up a wall, uh, you know, that's that's the difference here. So, I you know, Cincinnati played great in a, a few aspects, but like when we were when we were on, you know, opening drive. Up until Cone's interception, like we were just moving it on, on the mat. Will Cone was completely been up untouched. Yeah, up up until the the end zone. You know with the, that that interception. He was completely untouched up to that point. So we had running the ball. We were running
0: the ball. Like, what happened? Uh, I, I, something else I want to say. Look, we're going to get into the coaches, and I think a lot of coaches deserve heat. One thing I can't stand is that the one time Notre Dame loses a game in two years everybody jumps on fire kelly and it's like listen like we've always been kelly realists there's the good and the bad we can't go one week praising him for being the highest winning coach in notre dame history to we got to fire him because we lost a game look he's got he's got blame to take for this but if your gut reaction is time for kelly to go you've just been waiting all this time you know what i mean you've been watching all the wins not saying anything, and you're waiting for that one loss to push that garbage narrative again. Mm-hmm. Um, Notre Dame has been a perennial top five team in the last four years in terms of the record. Notre Dame has been one of the best. Let's not go that far. There are coaches we didn- we need to talk about, and I think we're going to get into that in a moment. Um, but before we do, I just, the game... It was there, I mean, to, to have played that poorly and had a chance to win it at one point. I mean, if I don't want to blame anybody, but if number four catches the ball and doesn't drop it, that keeps that play alive. Notre Dame, you know, could go on and score, and that would have made the game right back into it. Yeah. Um, so credit to Cincinnati. They are legit. I was impressed with their quarterback. Their fans showed up. Um you know, a lot of people are getting upset about that. But look, Notre Dame's a destination spot. And it's not just fans selling it to Cincinnati fans. It like like Ticketmaster exists. StubHub exists like you can get these on the market. It's not it's not like these season long Notre Dame fans giving away all their tickets. It's it's more than that. You know, people are always going to come here. That's the that's the dual edge sword of Notre Dame Stadium. But credit to them for showing up. They played well. I don't want to take anything away from them. But man, that was an abysmal performance—just um, utterly disgusting. It felt like we just never got into the game until the fourth quarter. Um, let, let's, you know, what, let's have the let's have the discussions and the debates. Um, I want to talk about three things today before we move on, because none of us are in a good mood, which should make for the best podcast. Hmm. One, and you guys could could give us your answer on social media. Tweet us at HorsemanPod. Who should be the quarterback? Do we have a quarterback controversy? Number two. Steve um, is going to make the case maybe against Tommy Rees. He'll give more nuance to it. Um, he had tweeted that from the pod account. I'm going to make a defense of Tommy Rees. so we'll have a little discussion there. And three, we're going to talk about what's left to play for this season uh, because there's still lots to play for. Is a playoff chance there? We'll We'll discuss all that. And then I guess we'll maybe talk about Virginia Tech, but I don't think that's on anybody's mind at the moment. So, Steve, I'm going to pass it over to you. Who's the quarterback for you? Do we have a quarterback controversy?
1: I think if you are choosing it I I agreed with the point that you made on Twitter and, and I think that's gonna kind of add the nuance to this this answer. I think you either go with Buckner or Cohn. I think it's either or I think that's unpopular
0: at the moment. I understand narrative among the fans is if pine had started two quarters earlier, Notre Dame wins that game. I don't buy that for a second. I'm sorry. Drew pine played fine, but there was not that much of a difference um, in terms of offensive production between them. The offensive line was so bad. It didn't matter anyway. And it took us a long time to get into that game. So sorry, keep, keep keep going.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Pine completed 40% of his passes and he did have like 141 yards on, on like nine completions. So like he's, he was, he was, was yeah, he was pushing it, but exactly that there is an element of playing from behind you know, you're down 17, nothing at halftime. Um, you know, so it's just, I, if you're, I still think that, I'm still hopeful that this offensive line is going to get better every single game from here on out because they have been getting better. It's just still not up to par for what we expect. But I think if you look, I I
0: would also add not just what we expect. It's not up to par to their own talent level. And we're going to we're talking about coaches. We're going to get into that in a minute as well. Um, But that's what I've been complaining about all year is they should be better than this, even as this group. Even as a banged-up young group, they should be better than this. Jared Patterson was talked as a first-round draft pick. How many snaps has he botched this year? I mean, credit to P-Wagon, like three weeks ago, said that. Um, Kane Madden, I'm not going to blame him. I'm not going to say he's not talented or anything, but he hasn't performed like we expected, and I would say he's probably regressed from Marshall, which I don't think is his fault, and we'll get into that in a minute as well. But... Sorry I I got so much to say as well I'll 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 give you the floor No no it, I I
1: enjoy the uh the back and forth and and you know the f- flow of ideas here but I, I just think the offensive line exactly to your point that we're playing way below potential uh, and and that's, what's the most frustrating part. And, but I think that every week they are getting better. I think objectively, if you look at the performances, you could say, okay, like there was a step forward, there's a step forward, there's a step forward. So it's slowly improving. And I think as we are slowly improving, we have, we did see that there was the capacity to run the ball yesterday in certain situations. If you do it the right way, Kyron first, run of the game was for 14 yards against three down linemen and three linebackers. You have six guys blocking six guys. Bam. You're going to have an opening spoiler alert. And I, I, so I think that the offensive line will be good enough with the weakness of the schedule going forward, that we should still win every game. I think the games would be tighter than what we would have hoped. If we have cone, I just think that you're going to limit your mistakes And you're going to let the younger guys take a little bit of time to continue to learn because there's still plenty of mistakes on their end. Now, the flip side of that and why I say Buckner is at this point, you might say even with Buckner, we're probably favored in every single game. You know, it's probably going to get messy from time to time. But at this point, we are we're not playing for twenty twenty one. We're playing for twenty twenty two and onward. You know, we're trying to groom this kid into a national champion. Now will this regress him? That's another thing. Is like maybe we keep Buckner back in a year. When our offensive line is this bad, we don't want him to get hurt, and we don't want him to uh, to regress and and not be able to read defenses properly. So there's so much there. That's why there's so much you know nuance to it. Is yeah, I I get you on, You want to throw in Pine? I throw. I get you want to throw in in Buckner is is pretty much the consensus here but if you think that pines the guy going forward then you don't want to screw up his progression and same with with Buckner or get either of them injured so there's so many there's there's not just a well, simple fix
0: there's also a theory out there that Notre Dame didn't go with pine because if they went with pine that means pine is the starter for 3 years and Buckner never gets a shot so the idea there is Kind of like Gunnar, Keel, and Golson, but in reverse, right? They thought they they didn't want to make, like, Golson started over Keel, so Keel never got a shot, so he left, and they didn't want that to happen with Buckner. I don't know if that's true, but that is something you are going to have to consider, right? If we put in Pine and he plays the rest of the season lights out, or at least better than average, what does that mean for Buckner going forward? Because Pine's got three more years of, actually, yeah, after this, you'll have three more years of eligibility. Um, This is how I view it. Cone is the best of the three. Just in terms of just outright pure skills, Cone is the best. Pine is the best for this offensive line. Exactly. So the di- the difference there and you had brought this up a couple weeks ago and my answer was I'll always take the better quarterback, but I think now my answer would change because the gap between Cone and Pine is a lot smaller than we thought. So credit to Pine uh and he, he is, pushed. is and Cone has struggled. So when it's even like that, then I think or close to even, I think then the argument of offensive line really matters because whether it's because they believe in Pine more or just Pine is quick-footed, whatever it is, the offensive line tends to perform better with him there, or at least you can mask the offensive line. So if you want to play with this offensive line, Pine's probably your best option. Cohen, I still think, is the best quarterback. You just got to put him behind an offensive line that isn't this. Um, And then Buckner, like you said, is the future. Now, I, I don't think I'm nihilistic enough to say... Listen, season's over. Just put Buckner in and we'll see. But something else we got to consider, the the red shirt rule. Remember the the change a couple years ago. You can play in four games now and still retain a red shirt season. Well, Tyler Buckner's on three games. And I'm not saying we should derail the season just for getting an extra year out of him. But that is something the coaching staff's going to have to consider, right? If When are we going to play him?
1: Or is he going to be the starter? What are you going to do? Or, I honestly, even yep. still, really quickly, can you just say, let's just save a year of Buckner because e- Pine is just as equally capable, right? But then that again goes into, okay, then is Pine the starter going forward? And and that opens up that can of worms. It's just, it's a never ending cycle. And I think the point I was trying to make before, and I'll pass back a lot into, in a second is there's no just quick, easy, we're going to make this decision and there's no other ramifications for it. Every decision has to be weighed and they all have pros and cons. And, and sorry to cut you off there. I just need nope. to get that off the chest.
0: No, <laughs> oh, that's fine. Um, I would just, I'd say I don't know who should be the quarterback. I'm glad I'm not the one making the decision because I think you have three equally valid options. Um, I don't think Kelly would just stick with Cone because he promised him. I think Cone is genuinely the best of the three at the moment. Uh, but that doesn't mean he's the best for the team. So you might have to consider a balance there. Well, is Pine the best for the team? Um, and if so, how far can he take us? And what does that mean for next year? So, look, there's no easy debate. I think people online saying if Pine uh, started the game, we'd win. I don't think so. Uh, the offensive struggles were, were far deeper than just the quarterback. Um, uh, yeah, that's that, that's all I got for you. That's all I got. It It's tough um quarterbacks a tough position and uh try not to overreact to one loss look we lost to a really good team cincinnati is going to be i think by the end of the season a top five to ten team maybe they're in the playoff you know cincinnati doesn't have a tough schedule the remaining of the year and they've got the ranked win over notre dame they should be in the playoff and this is the year if anybody's getting in we thought maybe that last year but last year everybody was undefeated this year um alabama and georgia cannot both be undefeated they just they can't some they have to play each other at one point
1: and neither can Purdue or Iowa. That's a good point.
0: I don't know what Purdue has to do with anything.
1: Why did I say Purdue? I meant to say Penn State. <laughs> Penn State. Yeah, that's right. That's what I initially that thought was a of, very stupid thing. All right. So neither was Penn State or Florida.
0: <laughs> Iowa. Yeah. And uh, and or Penn State. Well, yeah, like you said, Michigan, too. Right. Um. There is only going to be one undefeated Power 5 team, potentially two if Oklahoma pulls a 2012 Notre Dame and keeps winning games that they almost lose. Um, so Cincinnati's going to have a shot to get in this year. They're a good team, um, and losing to that kind of team, like 2017 when we lost to Georgia, um, can help Notre Dame's playoff chances. Now we'll save the playoff chat for later. I want to talk about Tommy Rees. And um the offense. So Steve, I'm gonna let you make your point known to everybody. I think it's gonna resonate with a lot of people, and then I'll kinda offer a response.
1: Yeah, so um I mean I'm I'm trending towards and and starting to lean heavily towards Tommy Reese is not competent or or not good at his role. And maybe that's because of the personnel that Notre Dame has. As compared to what his you know play designs would be, I don't know. But and I'm trying to give him some sort of grace because you know when he came in two seasons and now uh, two seasons ago now uh, for the Iowa State game, it was a very it was a great game he coached against Iowa State. And there were some there were some some plays that I would have you know changed here and there. But overall, I mean, we scored thirty something points and, and one handedly. Um, Yeah, and then last year they played obviously well enough to put up, what, 27 points in regulation against Clemson, which is an elite defense. He coached up that team to be pretty damn good. I mean, we had an an offense that brought us ultimately to the playoff. So that's that's the saving grace for some of the play calls that Tommy Reese calls drives me crazy because obviously we've talked time and time again about him running into stacked boxes and it's driving me nuts. And you just have to like learn to run more out of shotgun. But then again, you had a much more mobile quarterback with Ian book. You could run a lot more from shotgun because you could run read option plays and book could run keepers. And that added a different element of the game. And they, you know, he could also extend plays with his legs. So they had to drop more back in coverage. Right. So, so that way there's not as many rushers and then the offensive line can handle that more. It's like there's so many different elements to comparing previous years to this year. It's just that I don't think that that's, that's the dilemma I have with, with him. Is this the fault of Tommy Reese not being a good coordinator or is this the fault of Jeff Quinn and the offensive line and how he You know, Harry Hyde built us up to a pretty high standard. And after Hyde left for the Chicago bears, he, you know, he inherited a pretty good thing, did Jeff Quinn. And then now that he has to do a complete rebuild on his own, he's seeming to prove that he just can't get it done. I don't know. I don't know the answer. It's driving me crazy because I, I want to make some, I want to make up my mind in one direction or another. I just can't, I'm, I'm stuck halfway between, it's the offensive line that's hampering the ability to to open up the playbook because we've seen a good playbook before. We've seen a good offense before. And the other half is just like, well, at a certain point, you have to understand you don't have a good offensive line. And you can't run those calls like you have to adapt. And I don't know what to do. So I think him running into stack boxes might be him
0: adapting. Um, I think that could be a response to the offensive line. Because there's some times when he runs and it doesn't make sense. Here's the thing. When Tommy got hired, I didn't really like it because I knew how important getting an offensive coordinator and an offensive scheme would be. Um, Having somebody without any experience take over, I thought was a big question mark, especially after only one game's worth of experience. Um, However, I've actually liked Tommy as the seasons have gone on. Um, I thought... He did well with what he could last year. I think he's a far better recruiter than people understand. I think he's got um, a very good understanding of the quarterback situation at Notre Dame, what it's like to be the quarterback and how to resonate with, with some of the younger players. Um, where I kind of would differ, I think, is that Tommy Reese, I think, has shown an, an, an intention to change the offense. So what I mean by that is at this we heard all spring and fall that Notre Dame was going to go for a more explosive uh, sorry an, a more explosive offense um, and I think we've seen that. We saw that in the Florida State game, and we see often um, Notre Dame throw more on first down, which I think was our big gripe. Uh, I think there's more play action than there used to be. So I think Tommy, Tommy Rees knows what to do, and I trust in that vision. My criticism of Tommy Rees will be sometimes they get away from that. But that was more of an issue in the Toledo game, in the Purdue game, in the Wisconsin game, when you drive the ball early and then fail to do anything later that did happen in this game too. But I think part of the running plays were to make up for the offensive line and it joke, it just didn't work. And at the end of the day, players have to execute. So with Tommy Rees, I would, I would defend him. I would say that I think I've seen signs of him going in the right direction. And where I will agree with you and where I would make my point is the offensive failures are almost entirely on the offensive line and coach Jeff Quinn. Now, Look, there's a subsect of Notre Dame fans who've been calling for Quinn to get fired because he wasn't a good recruiter. And um, I, I know where this comes from. I'm sure a lot of our listeners also listen to Irish Breakdown. Um, Brian Driscoll said that for a while, and um, he's criticized him as a coach and as a recruiter. So we, we would get people say stuff about him as a recruiter, and we didn't quite agree. Um, while I don't think offensive line recruitment has been as good, I still think year in, year out, Notre Dame's offensive line class has been impressive where i will agree with brian driscoll and irish breakdown and a lot of the fans is the coaching i think credit to you guys you called it um and it's been masked for a couple seasons because he's had harry hindstand's leftovers like you said steve Mm -hmm. but now he doesn't this is entirely his group and i starting to see um exactly what those fans have been saying um and for me, it was more just reserving judgment on his coaching. I would be more inclined to defend his recruitment, although not quite to the standard of his uh, predecessor. But I would I wouldn't say anything about his coaching because we I just hadn't seen enough, and I don't know enough about the offensive line to tell you. After seeing this season, I I am I'm come around to that position that Jeff Quinn might not be the offensive line coach we need. And I will say to mitigate and to almost play devil's advocate. It is a bad mixture of injuries and timing of this offensive line, right? There's so many fresh faces, there's so many injuries, uh, and there isn't many returning talent, much returning talent. So there is a little bit of devil's advocacy there, but I would say even with those factors, this offensive line has still been playing worse than they should be, and on top of that, they have not improved enough. And I think you know you you've said they've improved every week. I mean maybe, but. We're five games into the season now, and it's the same garbage. This is a bottom 10 offensive line in college football, and that's out of 130 to. teams. So uh, I know I've been kind of monologuing for a bit here, but I would defend Tommy Rees. I believe in his vision. I think with the right personnel, he can run an offense that we want to see and that will be successful at the college football level, where I am more concerned about with coaching. And I and I and look, I don't know if I'll ever call for someone to get fired. I find that too personal. But Jeff Quinn's performance, I think, is deserving of criticism and further examination because this offensive line, it's not just it's not just the talent. It's underperforming. Kane Madden was better at Marshall than he is at Notre Dame. That's not just a Kane Madden problem. Because when Kane Madden came from Marshall, he should have been better than this. He's not. Right? Jarrett Patterson has taken a step back despite staying at center. Nobody else has been able to come into that offensive line and do anything. Um, I, I really like Zeke Correll. I really like what he has as potential, but it hasn't been overly impressive. Um, so I'm more inclined to shift some of that blame to Quinn because I think with a decent offensive line, this
1: team doesn't lose a game this year until maybe playoffs, if that. I agree. I definitely agree. And I think and, and it's good that you did talk for a while there. Because it's helping me hear different voices, hear different, you know, v- you know, obviously paradigms and views of the program, the game, the play calling, the whole nine, and and that's what's been the most frustrating for me. Like I mentioned, I was, was pretty baffled just coming into to this podcast, just thinking, why am I still having this conversation in twenty twenty one? And it'd be one thing if this was a loss, uh, a tight loss to an Alabama or a Georgia. It's just like we there are at a certain point, there are games that we should just not be losing anymore. And and I think that's falling on the staff. And that's what's that's what's frustrated me. But the the thing that's mostly frustrated me is not having the clarity of thought because there's so much going on between the line, the calling, the performance, the, the recruiting, everything. It's just, you know, it's really getting to me that I just it's it's pissing me off. I can't make a final coherent thought because the team isn't allowing for it. I can't get a, a pulse on them because they're all over the place. Every time I think I have this team figured out, I can't because yeah. they're just too unpredictable. And that's what drives me nuts in year 11. And I, another thing too is, look, we, this has kind of been coming and we've been
0: positive. We've been optimistic and we thought the changes would be made, but look, we barely beat an 0 and 5 Florida state team. We barely beat a Toledo team. You know, we beat Purdue, and we played well there. We beat Wisconsin, but it was a little closer than the score suggested. It shouldn't surprise us that we got a loss at some point. We were not playing like a top-five team, despite, I think, having a top-five roster. Um, there's still lots to play for, though, and that's something I want to get into. Look, I will always take a blowout playoff loss over a bowl win because it means I was in the opportunity to win a playoff game. I'll always take that opportunity, always. But if we don't make the playoff this year, it will give Notre Dame an opportunity to play and to win a first, you know, New York New Year's Six Bowl game. Um, since like the nineties, it's, it's almost a joke how long it's been. And, and look, we've said on the show, that's because we've been playing in title games and in semifinals and the years we would beat those teams. We're playing better teams. So this could be a year where we play a team of roughly equivalent talent, uh, perhaps even better. Um, you know, wouldn't it be nice to play, uh, the Chanticleers, you know, hmm. our favorite team in coastal Carolina. Why not? That'd be a great game. Um, So there's still lots to play for. So, Steve, what I wanted to ask you is, A, do you think there's a shot to get into the playoff at all? And B, if not, what do do you think there is to play for?
1: I only see the playoff happening if there's, like, a lot more top five losses. I mean, we're talking Oklahoma losing... We're talking both Penn state and Iowa losing. We're talking at least Alabama or Georgia losing at least one game in the regular season. And then obviously one of them has to lose in the sec championship game. I mean, we're talking there, there have to be so many losses for that to happen, which I just don't see happening. So, I mean, maybe in this year, this year has been insane, but I, I'm not hopeful in that regard. Um, now what do we have left to play for? There is a 5-0 and football team that we know is going to lose to Ohio State. Yes. That is currently in the top 10. How fun of a bowl game would that be if it were Maybe. a New Year's 6 bowl game?
0: Well, if we won, it would be great. I couldn't handle losing to them in a bowl game. But yes, I agree. That is a very intriguing possibility,
1: like- as is Penn State. Yep, Penn um, State would be or Iowa would both be Iowa. really really awesome. Or games. Oregon would be a fun game as well. There's a yeah. lot of there's a lot of bowl games out there that would be very interesting. Yeah, I mean the only – it's just and I I don't think that there's the the craziest thing about all of this. The craziest thing about all this I still think Notre Dame is a top 6 football team talent-wise. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. In this year, in this year, because there's been so much turnover to the, your traditional powerhouses, in this year we are a top six. I think we are better than Cincinnati. It's just, man, I'm I'm not a. I I we're gonna go to a New Year's Six bowl game, presumably, if we take care of business, and then we're still gonna have the opportunity to be eleven and one and beat a premier level talent or a premier level program. We're talking programs that have had national championships within the past decade. Mm -hmm. So it's, I don't know. It's, oh man, it, what do you think? Look, we can go
0: 10 and two is still playing a new year six bowl game. That's the one thing about not, playing in the playoff is that there is a little more margin for error. Not that, look, I'm not counting anything on this schedules or loss. We're going to be better than every team we play. Um, it's just, I'm trying to find something here on social media, and I, I don't know the account who runs it, so I can't give it to you. But I'll tell you where I was going. You want one reason for what we have left to play for? Just one. Just one really, really good reason to keep playing this season. That is to keep the streak of how many days it's been since USC has beaten Notre Dame alive. That <laughs> is the rivalry. That is arguably the best rivalry in college football, and we have a chance once again to kick them in the face. That, there's no, you don't need another reason to play football. You have a chance to beat USC in front of your home fans. That is worth playing for. And it's been, what, five years since they've beat us? Let's keep that going. You need something to keep you guys going at home? Trojan blood. Late October. It's the rivalry game. And we have a chance to kick them out of a, any shot at playing in anything significant. They already have two losses. Um, that's something worth playing for. Um the bowl game is going to be regardless if we're playoff or not, that's gonna be a fun matchup. It's gonna be a winnable matchup. Um, even if you get matched with, you know, that one year we were unfortunate to get Ohio State in the bowl game. Um Ohio State this year isn't that
1: great. No, and, and you and might
0: be playing it. Ohio State and then the first game the next season is at the horseshoe, you know, that'd be really fun too. Um there's a lot to play for, guys. You know, the the sky isn't falling. As for the playoff, look, I find it very hard to think we can get in now. Like you said, Steve, it's going to take multiple losses. Um, Let's say, let's just, let's give Alabama and Georgia a spot. Jeez, what do you do? Would you rather Cincinnati go and defeat it and take the third spot, or do you want Cincinnati to lose twice so you can get in ahead of them? I'm thinking you probably want Cincinnati to win out. Um, So then you've got three teams and one spot left. That means Oklahoma needs to lose twice. That means the Big Ten needs to have a two-loss champion. That means the Pac-12 has to have a two-loss champion. Or perhaps USC wins it, and then you know Notre Dame would have the head-to-head. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to get into this year's playoff. I mean, unless Cincinnati falls apart. But then your loss no longer looks good. Um, It's just it, it is not a good situation any way you look at it. So there is stuff to play for. The playoff, I wouldn't say, is dead, but it is very unlikely. But, man, we got USC still. We have a chance to to show everybody how Sam Howell is kind of a fraud. We have a chance once again to beat Stanford in Palo Alto, which is something we've done once in the last decade and a half. Um, and we have a shot to win a bowl game, a major New York six bowl game, New York six, New Year's Eve, six, New Year's six bowl game, <laughs> whatever they call that thing. And we can go into next
1: season with a better roster on a good note. That's what yeah. we have to play for. And a um, If if you're gonna tell me we're out of the playoff and our down year quote unquote is going to be missing the playoffs by one possibly two spots, going twelve and uh, eleven and one and then going twelve and one with a win over a top ten team in in uh, a New Year's Six bowl if that's a down year for Notre Dame football, I will take that every single year. As, a da- as a down- uh, 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 not every single year. I, I yeah. want the occasional twelve and zero in the national championships. You know, you know, look to happen. But come on, if you were, but basically, if you were what I'm saying, gonna have a
0: down year, you would yeah. want it to be that.
1: Yes. Uh, I mean, especially as an expanded playoff, seemingly is down, coming down the pipe. If you're going to give me an eleven and one Notre Dame every single year, I'm going to give you a Notre Dame in the playoffs every single year, yep. With, yep. with with 10-10. with six teams or more. That's just, that's just the reality. So, so if this is our down year, quote unquote, I, I think we're in a good position as a program. So I don't want to be all down. I don't want to be, you know, beat everybody into the ground because things could be a lot worse. We are playing better than Clemson right now. Yep. That's a, that's a down year. Like, I, that's the thing is like, you look at everybody else, you know, Texas lost already. Florida has two losses Auburn for, you know, they, they have a loss. Ole Miss, everyone, you know, you and I were, were hopeful that maybe they could compete against Alabama. They got like tossed into eternity. So it's like there's yeah. there's there's Alabama, there's Georgia. They are far and away the two best teams in the country. And then the next tier you have Notre Dame, Penn State, Cincinnati, Iowa. I think those are the the, the other teams that are at at the the next level to, to, to be able to at least sniff or compete with Alabama and Georgia, but they're still so far away from that. And then I think that any of the four teams I just mentioned are going to beat Ohio state, Oregon, Michigan, BYU, Michigan state, Oklahoma state, Arkansas, coastal Carolina. Like those are kind of like, you're, you're pretty damn good, but not there yet. And that's because it's a down year for both you know Oregon and Ohio State and and Oklahoma, but the point I'm making is this is still such a good football team and it's such a good football program. So it's a bummer right now that we are out of the playoff, but try to try to have a silver lining, man, because there's still a lot about this
0: program to love. And look long term, if we finish the season 12 and one or or 11 and two, it's another successful season. People Absolutely. would look back and be like, look, Kelly did another great
1: job here. I mean, um, and it's we, not what we want. We've recruited by going back to back years at eight and five. Yes. Now look at the last five years we've had with that string of success. You tell me yes. we close out 11 and one with a new year six. Mm-hmm. bowl. That's going to help us so much.
0: in recruiting. And, and I want to clarify something too. I said on the account I had, I had was upset with the fact that all the five stars from this and next year's class were at that game. And I don't think it hurt them. I want to make that clear. I don't think losing the game means they're not going to come to Notre Dame. The point I wanted to make was you want to give them the best possible experience so you maximize your chances of getting them. And to me, that's a night game at Notre Dame. It's not Cincinnati in the afternoon. It's USC at night because if you lose, you still got the rivalry aspect. You still got to experience the electricity in the crowd, which we did not have last week. Um, and it's and, and it's a big name program. So um, for those interested about the recruiting aspect, I will say I don't think anybody is not committing to Notre Dame because of it. I do think it would be maybe wiser to schedule official recruits for Southern Cal when we're playing them at home. And I know some people come on their own dime if they're a little early for an unofficial and they can do obviously whatever, like, you know, credit to you. Um, but that was just the point with recruiting that I had wanted to make before we kind of get into, uh, Virginia tech.
1: Yeah, no, no, that's, that's a good point. And, and I mean, all reports are that they absolutely crushed their visit with Drake Bowen, five-star, you know, linebacker for next year, you know, Lorenzo styles is on our, uh, or. Yeah, Lorenzo Styles is already on, what on a, the Notre Dame roster. Great
0: game, by the way, he had. Uh, I mean, he only had the one big play, but it was a huge play for yeah. the freshman to come. That in. was,
1: yeah. Uh, that, what was that? Like a twelve-yard hitch for a first down or something? Yeah. So, um, yeah, and and that means that Sonny Styles was naturally gonna, you know, f- have some sort of way to fit in and feel comfortable here. Uh, so there's there's definitely a lot of recruits that I think you're right. It, it, this isn't gonna push them away because we we've recruited pretty darn good over the course of some really mediocre years in recent past. Um, but, yeah, it just leaves a little bit more to be desired. You know, a 7.30, 8 o'clock game at home in October, getting the full experience of Notre Dame in that campus, that would have been uh, a little bit better of a call. So, And there's just
0: a little more to do on campus when it's a night game. Um, you, you have time to take in everything you have time to kind of, and I know the kids don't go tailgating or things like that, but like when I went to Notre Dame, it was a night game. I hung out at the library, like the bookstore, like not, 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 not like I didn't go read, but like <laughs> I went to the bookstore, which is a phenomenal experience on its own, you know, just sightseeing. Uh, there's just so much to do at Notre Dame. Um, and the atmosphere is just better. It's just, it is just fundamentally better when you have the floodlights on and everybody's jumping up and down. Um, what I want to say is before we get into our week six or five, whatever week we're in now picks just want to let you guys know about listener support. Um, if you like the show, um, consider making a contribution to it. Uh, we obviously are very busy people and in order to sustain high quality content, um, it'd be greatly appreciated if, uh, you know, we could monetize this a little more. Um, So in the link below of this podcast and also our, our uh, pin tweet on Twitter um, has the, the link to get listener support where you could make a monthly contribution. Um, If so, we would, we would greatly appreciate it. It means a lot to us. And look, we do this because we love interacting with you and we love chatting about Notre Dame. That's what we are. We're a diehard podcast. And, uh, and I think it's going to, it's only going to get better as, as we get close to that national championship. Sorry, (laughs) I had to put a positive spin on it. Uh, it's been too down this episode, Steve, five games for the week. I do believe you're still leading us.
1: Um, go away. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So we start this week with the red river rivalry. It's going to be OU at Texas, Texas. Technically it's, it's going to be obviously in the cotton bowl in a, in a neutral site, but Texas will be the home team here. Um, what do you think? Do you have the Longhorns? Is Are they back, or is OU overrated? Are they a paper tiger, or is OU just so much better still? Um,
0: well, this is a rivalry game, so it doesn't matter how good either of them are. And I don't mean every rivalry game is like that, but this one in particular has a feel of anyone can win it, no matter how good or bad you are. Um, and I do like this rivalry game. I think it's a lot like Notre Dame-USC in the sense that it's not always played on— Week 13, rivalry week, so it's a little lesser known, but it is a historic rivalry between two great programs. Um, I was shocked. Oklahoma survived their arch nemesis, Kansas State, who keeps beating <clears> <throat> them. Um, credit to Oklahoma. Normally, look, Oklahoma has not been good this year. I joke that they've been the Notre Dame of the, of the Big 12. They keep getting by, barely. Um, but I don't think this is the week. I thought last week was the week. I don't think it's this week. I'm gonna take the Sooners to beat the Longhorns. At the end of the day, I think they're just a better team. I do expect Oklahoma to drop a game or two, but I don't think it's gonna to be to the
1: Longhorns. What about you, Steve? I am the opposite. I think the horns move on. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just it just feels like Bijan Robinson is gonna be able to just control this game. Doesn't feel like Oklahoma has a particularly imposing defensive line or front seven because that's just you know, the big twelve. Uh, so, yeah, it just feels like Bijan is going to kind of have his way and, and you know, limit the possessions for Oklahoma. I, I just see Texas running away with this one. Fair All enough. right. On to the next game. We have two teams that proved that they simply could not hack it in the top 10. Uh, we have Arkansas at Ole Miss. Both of them have uh, subsequently been beaten very recently. Who do you have, the Hogs or the Rebs? Well, assuming... The
0: Kyle Hamilton for Heisman campaign is not going to get going just because not enough people see the truth. I'm going to hop on the Matt or Mike, whatever his name is, Corral, yeah. Matt Corral Heisman campaign. I love the guy. I know he had a rough game against Bama, but who hasn't? I'm taking Ole Miss mainly because they're at home here. I know Arkansas keeps
1: impressing everybody, but I like, I like the Rebels. Yeah. Yeah. And I unfortunately am actually gonna agree with you, especially at uh, at Ole Miss and in, in you know with the home stadium. Um, I'm always gonna go with the best QB, or you know, in most cases, I guess I would say. And I think Corral's the the man, uh, so I'm I'm going with the Rebels as well. And the next one we have UGA and that vaunted defense on the road in Auburn. Who do you have, Bo Nix and the Auburn Tigers, or that absurd defense down in Athens. Auburn and Georgia have played a lot of good games recently.
0: Man, I want to take Auburn. They're at home. It has upset central written all over it. I'm just going to take Georgia. I think this is the year Georgia wins the national championship. I just, they are so good that I don't think anyone can stop them. And maybe I'm wrong. And I could see this game, you know, being tight, but I like the Bulldogs and, uh, you know, War Eagle, but not this time.
1: I am in completely agreement with everything you said. Uh, I think Georgia is far away, far away, the best team in the nation. I think they are going to beat uh, Alabama by two, possibly three touchdowns. Like, I think this Georgia, I think the world of this Georgia team, and I don't think they're going to get that uh, to where they need to be, which is the national title by losing this game against Knicks, Sorry, Bo. I just don't have any faith in you. So I'm ro- rolling also with the dog. Sorry to keep going straight chalk with you here, but that's going to get us right into the next game. Penn state at Iowa, Iowa, cool stadium Kinnick, you know, turn around, do the wave at the, uh, at the, uh, the, the sick kids there. Uh, and, and obviously the best wishes to them, they all get better. But wh- what do you have here? Is it the, the Nittany lions Or the, uh, what the hell is Iowa even anymore? I forget the uh, the Hawkeyes. Yeah. That's what I said. The Hawkeyes. Um, Shout out to our one Hawkeye fan on Twitter. We we, we
0: appreciate (laughs) you. Um, you know what? I'll even tag them in the tweet. Uh, (laughs) listen, I think both teams are overrated. I think pretty much their own fans know that too. Like, look, Penn state is not a overly great team. They barely beat Wisconsin who both Notre Dame and Michigan annihilated. Um, iowa is iowa i respect iowa i think they're a good top 15 team but again i think notre dame would kind of score 700 touchdowns on them and that's with the offensive line um obviously i'm exaggerating there um look in a big 10 versus big 10 matchup i'm gonna take the team that's the most big 10 who's better (laughs) at playing a big 10 football game and that's gonna be the iowa hawkeyes i'm gonna take the home team here uh, I just, I don't think the Nittany lions are for real and I don't think I for real either, but they're, they are, they are more big 10. So, uh, <laughs> I hope that logic works for everybody.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just straight up agreeing with you. And I'm a little bit more impressed with the, uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes than you are. I think they are a legitimately a, a top eight team, uh, this year and, and, um, uh, maybe even top six. And I just also don't see that penn state is i think penn state will probably finish the season at least 10 and 2. uh so i'm going with the hawkeyes here and especially at home um they're going to be juiced there. you know undefeated they're what number three in the nation i, I think that you know student section is going to show out shout out vodka sam so let's roll hawkeyes and also and that's i'll
0: good. point out i don't think Notre dream would actually score two touchdowns on iowa just, <laughs> now that i'm thinking about it iowa's got a really good defense yeah Really bad offense. I do think we'd beat them, but i that'll be a 10. To that
1: sounds like a 14 to 10 game. Yeah, it's that's a big 10 game, and I don't like them. Yeah. Um, okay, and then finally, uh, we are going with the Utah Utes on the road at a team that, as we mentioned, this season is worth playing for because it is worth beating the crap out of this absolute trash bag program from south central los angeles the usc trojans were you about to call them the fighting trojans (laughs) i was about to and then i stopped myself (laughs) i kind of like that though i I I have sushi on my lips and it's just staring at me and i want to just dig right into it so that's why i got a little distracted but it's your usc trojans at home hosting the utah utes who you got um that's a really good one um
0: I feel like the weeks I want, I I expect USC to win is the weeks they lose, and the weeks I expect them to lose are the weeks they win. Um, I'm going to take the Trojans at home here. They are a three-point favorite, which means this is an absolute tie game on neutral field. Um, I think they are better. I think with the coaching situation, there's a lot of potential there. You remember how they played for Coach O? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't think that's because Coach O was a great coach, by the way, um, as we are seeing. Um, LSU struggled a bit, but yeah, I, I, I think USC is better than Utah on paper. They're at home and I just tend to go with, with those two factors over anything, but I would not be surprised to see this go the other way.
1: Yeah. And that's where I'm going to split from you here. I just think Utah has, um, they've been building up a pretty damn good program and you know, they, they definitely have their flaws this year. They're not perfect by any means, but I, I, I also think it's very USC for them to lose to Utah this week and then in two weeks from now when we play them in our rivalry game, they're gonna just like bring us to the absolute brink, right? right? Like that's just Notre Dame's and just that that's a total USC move. So I'm going I'm counting on USC to USC them all over themselves, and I'm going with the Utah Utes. Fair enough. I mean I don't think anyone could fault you for that.
0: I just I like it when USC and Notre Dame mean something, obviously with three combined losses, it'll have no playoff implications. But, you know, you bring in a semi-decent USC team and that's going to get everybody going at Notre Dame, including the recruits who are going to see it. Because I imagine they're going to have a bunch of recruits coming for that one as well. Um, Well, well, Steve, um, we've covered what we usually cover. We got Virginia Tech next. I couldn't be bothered to even prepare for this. I'm, I, I am I, call this the, the Irish hangover, uh, referring to Notre Dame. Um, when like the next couple days after a loss, you're just you're depressed and you're low energy. And there's like, what is there to live for? Well, that's what we're all going through right now. I know it. So I don't want to bother you guys with fucking getting ready for Virginia Tech and stats and stuff. That's not that's not us this week. I don't know. I'm scared. We called this a trap game in the preseason, and we haven't looked good. Virginia Tech has upset North Carolina, but Virginia Tech's also lost to some really weird teams. How do you feel this? Feel about this? Like, Do you feel anything towards this game?
1: Well, I feel like Notre Dame is finally going to just come out loose and just say, hey, at this point, we got nothing to lose, right? You're, you're not losing a playoff spot at this point. And there's no BCS. There's nothing. It's just a good season versus a not good season. So we can still have a good season because we're a talented team, but let's not play scared. Let's just open it up and everyone go balls out. So that there's that element that I'm I'm obviously very hopeful for. There's also, you know, and, and there were reports that this Notre Dame team responded quite well in, in the locker room and in the press releases after the game as well. So you have to be hopeful in that regard. Uh, yeah, I, I I could see this game being very close. I also could see this game being blown open because Notre Dame has that that fuck it in their system, uh, you know, in, in the words of what was that Cat Cat Williams, uh, the comedian. Yeah, um, so I I'm I'm gonna try to be hopeful here. I'm gonna I'm gonna go the hopeful route, and instead of being negative like I usually am, I'm gonna say, you know what, we in our down year, we're still going to go 11 and one. We're still going to get this thing done. We are still a great football program and you know, a fluke fumble by Chris Tyree and a couple of bad timely interceptions are not indicative of how much better we were and how great of a team we still are. And that's why I'm rolling with Notre Dame. They're going to win this game by two touchdowns I'll call it 31 20 call it 31 10 call it 28 (laughs) yep I did it again I know do it do it 28 14 I don't care what you want to call it but Notre Dame is gonna they're gonna get their mojo back what do you think did I just did I just do it again oh my god did you ever
0: um Well, what scares me is that this is their Super Bowl, and we're just probably trying to hop our way into a bye week because everybody has exams and whatever. But I do believe this Notre team team will be up for it. I don't, I don't think they'll get complacent with the loss at all. I think the fans are. I mean, we clearly are, but we're not the team. And uh, don't tweet at us saying, you know, You should be focusing on this. No, no, the team should be focusing on this. I could worry about whatever I want. (laughs) Um, So that is a little bit of a concern, you know, going into a bye week and having a team come off a bye week and prepare for their Super Bowl. Um, I expect this to be close. I don't expect it to be blowed. I actually had in my head 30-20. So when you said 31-20, pretty much the same thing again. I I think we'll win, but I'm going to be a little more nervous going into it, especially you get, you know, that stupid – entrance that's overhyped um you know it's going to be a night game it's there's going to be a lot of chips on the table but there's a lot for this team to play for and there's still a lot to be positive in the season and for next season you guys recall the 2019 season when we lost to georgia and michigan that we we got we were in a dark place after that michigan loss and who would have thought that by the end of the season we would have learned what we needed to learn to catapult ourselves into a playoff spot for the following year Right, We came out of that Iowa State Bowl game, dominated them, and the momentum was there. There were still things to play for. We went, oh, was it 10 and 11 and 2 that year? There's still stuff to play for, and that's next season and the season after that. You know, We know that the roster is going to be better than it's ever been in the next one to three years. That's when the talent is coming and then beyond. But we, we're going to have a shot, so there's still stuff to play for. It starts with Virginia Tech. I have nothing else to say. Do you do you wanna leave the note on anything? Do you wanna you want one more rant? And no. I'm surprised we
1: only had dropped two F bombs, by the way. That is a miracle. Yeah, yeah. I try, yeah. once you you know let it fly, I knew I had to get in a little lick out there, but no. Um no, it's I, I agree. I just agree. You know, I, I think that the uh, the real talent's coming down the line and the best the best thing, if they want to leave a lasting legacy for this program, this offensive line, these quarterbacks, this defense, this team is going to say, the best thing that we can do is hold each other accountable and get better every single day and build and build. And maybe I'm a senior and I'm graduating and I'm going to move on and I'm not going to see a title in my time, but I'm going to contribute to this program that I committed to because I love this program and I want to see it flourish in the future. And that starts with everyone just putting in the effort because they have the talent. And if they can just do that and keep that mindset, this is an undefeated football team the rest of the year, and we begin a whole new streak of you know starting in two weeks from now. We begin another home winning streak, and we we just keep padding up the win percentage. And that's what we're gonna do. That's that's what this team should be focusing on. And 100%,
0: that's
1: all I hundred percent agree. Um, Guys, leave us a nice. Review
0: five star on Apple Podcasts. We greatly appreciate it. We do this because of you, and we're look. We're expecting you to tune in this week. There's nothing better to get people than tragedy and upset and chaos, and that's and that's what this week is, right? We're all we're all ranting, we're all upset, and um, and I and I think we all feel that. And there's a bit of healing, um, almost like a community healing for all of us. Um, but don't let the Irish hangover take over your life. Um, you know, there's still other important things out there including being nice to each other, you know, it was still a tough time for everybody. So, um, you know, we'll leave on a positive note, take care of each other. Um, try to be positive and uh, let's head into Virginia tech and kind of kick the living crap out of them. Agree wholeheartedly go Irish, go Irish.